Hey friend, Mike McCurry here. Thank you so much for joining me once again for Bible Tract Echoes. I'll give you the setting, the scenery where I'm at in just a moment. But before we do that, go to the book of Matthew chapter 8. I've not lost my mind. I haven't forgotten that we're in the book of Mark. We will get to Mark chapter 6 in just a moment. But we're going to start today in Matthew chapter 8. We're going to kind of juxtapose, comparison and contrast, two different things today. I am and we are coming close, we're not there yet, close to the end of the summer camp season. Well, on one hand, there's a little bit of relief. It's a, it's an arduous time of year. But on the other hand, man, we love it. Our family, we have a wonderful time. Summer camp for us starts around June, mid to end June sometimes, and then goes all the way through July. And then we have the Midwest Christian Boys football camp. That, that is the first full week of August. So we're not quite done yet. So, so buckle in and, and stick around. But right now, I am here outside beautiful weather. I think it is right now about 81 degrees. Thankfully, there's a light breeze you might hear in the background. But we're having a wonderful time here in Butler, Pennsylvania at Common Ground Baptist Camp. Have the opportunity to lead this singing, have the chance to uh, preach multiple times this summer here. We enjoy it immensely. But today on the broadcast, we're going to talk about this thought. Let me introduce this for you. There are two ways to make God marvel. Uh, be, I'm going to be careful. I don't want to overly humanize God, so please understand. I'll give you some caveats here. Of course, Jesus Christ was 100% man and 100% God, in robed in human flesh on earth. But at the same time, he was uh, tempted with like such passions as you and I, and he, of course, needed to sleep, and he had the, had the, the, the need to eat and all those types of things. And, but realize that he was, is God, of course. But the Bible does very plainly give us two times in Scripture that Jesus, during his earthly ministry, marveled. And they were two items, two, two issues that are on opposite ends of the spectrum from each other. So go to Matthew chapter 8, if you would. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse number 5. The Bible says this, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it... He marveled. We see here in Matthew chapter 8, we'll get to the conclusion of the story in just a moment here, but we see here the first way to make Christ marvel. Number one is with a lot of faith. A lot of faith. And you know what? Actually, right now, my wife is actually pulling in. Uh, she just loves being on camera, and so maybe we can get her on camera here in just a moment here. She's trying to pull out of, out of range of the camera. We'll get her on in just a moment here, so stick around. But we see the very first way to make God marvel is with a lot of faith. I've got a story from my childhood that stuck with me for a long time. I'm going to share it with you here in just a moment. Let's see if my wife's going to come out. There she is. How are you? She just, just so desperately wanted to be on camera. You had to drive up in the background. Yes, I did. Good. So we're only, we're, we've just started, so it's all right. So how are you doing, Miss Becca? I'm doing wonderful. 
wonderful. Yeah, speak up so the microphone can get you. I'm doing wonderful. Very well. I, I saw that you were doing a devotion today with the young people. Yes. Maybe we'll have to have you do that devotion on the radio one of these days. <laughs> that means no. That's code for no. Love you, babe. And uh, I'm going to finish up my radio broadcast, all right? All right. I'm going to load some groceries. All right. Sounds good. We got to eat. So groceries are still a necessity. Got the RV right off to my side here, having a wonderful time parked here in the campground. So I've got this childhood story. Uh, we, we pause the commercial here. We have this childhood story. I remember my dad was stationed in Germany. Uh, we were there for about four years. He was in the army, and he was kind of over. I don't know if you call it like a, a single soldiers ministry, as I recall it. Basically, he would do some men's activities and things like that. And there was one time. Uh, I want to say I was probably. I may have been eight, nine, ten or so, old enough to definitely remember it. But we went rappelling. If you don't know what rappelling is, you have a, a, a rock formation, you have this, this place where you can tie off a rope and put the ropes down and you make, I think it's called like a Swiss seat. You, you can buy them, but you can take um, like seat belt material and you could tie it around you in such a way with a carabiner uh, with, with one of those deals there and you run the rope through it and you put it back around your body. I'm trying to describe this in such a way that you folks on the radio, you can kind of imagine it. Maybe you already know what I'm talking about. You're like, stop describing it. It, but you, you get what I'm saying. And you kind of walk down the rocks or you kind of jump down. You can actually hop a little bit and you flare your, I think it's your right hand, but you flare your hand out and you have gloves on because otherwise the rope will rub you raw. And you jump out a little bit. And as you get more brave, I guess, you release the rope out and it runs through hands. And when you need a break, you put your hand behind you. And so I was an eight, nine, ten year old. My dad showed me how, got me all hooked up, and I did that. I did it multiple times. I've had a wonderful time. It's been a long time since I've gone rappelling. I'm a lot bigger than I was probably the last time I went rappelling as a teenager, but definitely enjoyed it. And the military folks, obviously, a lot of them had some kind of background in that. Uh, to some degree at least. And so they all enjoyed it, had a wonderful time, probably out there for an hour, two or three. We were getting close to the end of the day. As I recall, the kind of the rock formation we were on, it was probably more than 60 feet. I don't think it was more than 80 feet. I don't know if they had 100 foot, 150 foot ropes or so that they were working with. But regardless, we had a good time. We were just about done. And at the end of the day, a gentleman was going to uh, go down, but he was going to go face down. It was one of the last runs of the day. It's called going, I think, Australian. I don't know if it's just because it's upside down or what. But basically, you have it to where it hooks, I believe, behind you, and the rope comes up over your shoulder, and you hold it to your chest, and that's how you break. When you want to go down, you let it release, and so the friction point, instead of being your waist, the friction point is your shoulder. And so... He's going to do it. He gets out over the ledge. We've been doing this for like hours now. Gets out over the ledge, looks down, and you could say chickens out, but knowing how the rest of the story goes, makes the very wise decision to not go down. I mean, he was literally out over the edge, and he was like, I don't feel right about this. He'd done it before, didn't feel right about it. He asked us to pull him back up, and he does not go down. So there was still a bit of time left. We were just about done with all the ropes and everything. And so one of the other men was like, okay, I'll go ahead and go just the normal way and we'll be done for the day. We had two ropes 
And so he goes down one of them, and he's one of those guys, high flyers. He can almost do the full 60 or 80 feet in one fell swoop. And so he goes and jumps away. He's doing it the normal way, kind of with your rear end facing the ground and your feet towards the rocks, obviously, your head's up jumps away with his hand out, letting the rope just burn through. We got leather, leather gloves on, I think, just and he jumps, and he times it to where he's basically gonna land on the rocks about five feet before the ground. And so he does so, but as he brings himself to a stop, he probably only weighed about 160 pounds or so, as he did so, the torque was such that the rope, now he had carpet, where it went over the edge of the rocks, okay? So we're not, we weren't dense, all right? But where it went over the rocks, there was carpet there, a, 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 a like four by four piece of carpet, so it wouldn't rub directly on the rocks. But for whatever reason, we've been doing it all day, the force of that 160 pounds coming to a stop all at once caused the rope to pop. Now it stopped, it, it, it halted most of his momentum, but that just that force as all of it hit, snap and he fell in a tumble. Now he was a limber guy, he was, he was like a cat, and he, I think he still even landed on his feet. And, but effectively, he had almost jumped off 60 feet. It slowed him way, way down, and the rope popped. Now he was a crazy guy. He went back up, there was another rope, remember, and does the exact same thing to the other rope. They both pop at the very end. We'd been doing this all day. I had gone, I realized I was a small kid at the time. This other, but realize, this other guy who quote unquote chickened out and didn't go down face first, think of how bad it could have been for him. Now, would it have popped? I don't know, because he wouldn't have put the same torque on it because he wasn't gonna jump or run down the rock. He was gonna take it gingerly. So it wouldn't have had that instant, instantaneous force and the G-forces and all that stuff. But still, what a scary thing to think about how close he came to potentially dying. And this other guy pops two ropes in one afternoon and lives to tell about it. Nothing more than a skin knee or two, right? He, this man, had misplaced his trust. You see, he had put his faith, put his trust in those ropes and they had not supported him. Thankfully, they didn't kill him. But at the same time, he was definitely misplaced trust. Can I tell you, you will never go wrong placing your trust in God you will never go wrong putting a lot of faith in God. Now, I told you there's two ways to make God marvel. We see the first here, verse number nine uh, for, of, of Matthew 8. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now, I told you I was going to give the other way that you can make God marvel. It's found in Matthew chapter number six. That's all the hints I'm going to give you. I realize because of that story, I've gone a little bit lengthy today. And so I'm going to give you the other way to make God marvel tomorrow. The other way is not so good. We're going to review this. I've got one more bit of application of Matthew chapter number eight. But I want you to think about this. Do you make God marvel with how much faith you have in him? Has he ever once looked down from heaven and said, so-and-so, he just blows me away. I'm almost shocked. Of course, God knows everything. He, he, we can't even understand his sovereignty, his providence, all that type of stuff. It's like trying to describe the Trinity. But in all seriousness, has he ever looked down and said, wow, you, Christian, have a lot of faith. 
You know, if I think about myself, I, I hope I'm not so shameful that he's never once, never once thought, Micah, you've got a reasonable amount of faith. Maybe, he, maybe he'd only say I have a moderate amount of faith. Maybe I haven't made a marvel. But can I tell you, in my life, I want to. I want to be so faith-filled, so trusting in him that he marvels. I appreciate so very much you joining today. I appreciate you allowing my wife to interrupt the radio broadcast today. But in all seriousness, I'm going to ask you to tune in tomorrow because on the other end of the spectrum in Matthew chapter 6, we will see the other way to make God marvel. And friend, that in Matthew 6 is not the way we want him to. Thank you so very much once again for listening. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to tune in tomorrow. And my prayer, as always is that you have a great day for His glory. Maybe, just maybe, you can invite someone to join you in listening on the broadcast tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Bible Tract Echoes. We'll come to you every day this week from Matthew 6. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracts Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample booklet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 130, Dwight, Illinois 60420. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.